Newsbreak podcast. Saturday afternoon, it's Newsbreak Talk. I'm Tadej Hadi Prashad today, keeping you company on the program. Welcome to the discussion today. Uh, we're going to be providing you with a great sort of perspective and information session about, um, I think, the topic of the year, isn't it? And actually, it's a bit strange for me. It's been a long, I think, you know, once we had gone to level, alert level one of lockdown, um, I started, you know, trying to curate a little bit more of a... Um, you know, non-COVID-19 talk show topics the way I did it this uh, toward the start of the year. Uh, but I have to revisit it now because, um, and it's been a while since I started the program off in this particular fashion. But to update you on the number of new cases of COVID-19 in South Africa as at last night, Friday the 27th of November, 3,370 new cases of COVID-19 across the country. Now, that's cause for concern because we were at a stage where uh, daily infections were hovering around 400 um, and that, you know, kind of resulted in um, going to alert level one. Now that it is steadily increasing to up to over 3,000 now, just days before the festive season commences proper. Um, how concerning is this? There has been constant talk about the second wave. We've spoken about the second wave, what it means physiologically, what it means socially, and of course, economically. Um, but now with daily increase, uh, cases increasing like this in a festive season, where there's a lot more movement, a lot less restrictions, um, what does it mean, isn't it? incredibly concerning. So I spoke to um, Deputy Director General of Health at the Department of Health about this particular point. Dr. Anban Pele, he's not happy. I'm really concerned about the festive season because I think many people associate the festive season with mingling with family and friends, you know, consuming alcohol, having parties, etc. All of those factors uh, contribute to spread of the virus. So it's really important that people uh, enjoy the festive season without necessarily mingling with the crowds of people because uh, that's actually going to spread the virus much faster than the first wave. We can actually have a much bigger wave the second time round uh, simply because of the Christmas period and this is clearly not theoretical. I think Europe has experienced that over the, the summer vacation. I think uh, people partied and uh, were mingling without uh, masks and, and social distancing and sanitizing. And so now the, the waves in, in many countries are much higher the second time around than they were in the first time. So I think it's a lesson for all of us as to uh, how we need to behave during this, this festive period. So what are authorities then doing? I mean, if you look at National Command Council, the Department of Health and, and various COVID bodies who are, have always been throughout this year of 2020 trying to be ahead of the curve. I mean, you've watched in international countries the way the second wave has spread once, you know, like you're saying, the summer months have, have come through due to the mingling. How are you planning to, to be ahead of the curve? So we've been having uh, discussions with our colleagues in uh, uh, the provincial departments as well as in the local municipalities, the police force, etc., to try and understand what restrictions and limitations we need to put in place in order to uh, uh, remind people that they need to comply with this. At the end of the day, it, uh, it's critical that we have behavior change because it's very difficult to police this kind of compliance that's required. But we're also debating other restrictions that may, we may have to bring into place uh, if, if we see that the, uh, the trend continuing. You would notice that, you know, we were uh, hovering around uh, 1,000 to 2,000 uh, cases a day. 
Uh, we've now gone above 2,000 for a couple of days already, which is a very worrying sign. And that continues to increase, then we'll have to put in some additional me- measures that limit uh, interaction uh, because uh, that is uh, you know, the first uh, sign that we're going to move towards second wave. And then I've got to ask you to preempt compliance. I mean, I think you've, you've spent a year almost with your, your patients, if I, could, if I could refer to them as that, the South Africans uh, on the ground. And do you think that they are likely to comply? You know, what are your thoughts on the way South Africans would want to revert to any higher level of a lockdown should it be imposed? I think we have uh, lifted a number of the restrictions, uh, and uh, but I think we can reverse all of that very quickly if we don't adhere to the restrictions. So I think my message to them is they understand what they need to do. They need to be very conscious about it and constantly do it. Because if they don't, I think we we will pay the price for that. So that was Dr. Anban Pillay. Of course, he's the Deputy Director General for the Department of Health. I mean, uh, from what he's saying, um, and, and you know, not to be alarmist, uh, I'm just going to report on the facts there. Uh, he says that they are debating ways of introducing stricter measures uh, should the numbers continue to rise. It has been. I mean, he spoke there about 2,000 cases. We're now over 3,000 cases. Um, and the Department of Health says they would then consider looking at further restrictions, specifically over the festive season. I mean, he, he, he said that they are concerned about the festive season going into it. A lot of mingling, a lot of movement. Um, yesterday was Black Friday. And if you visited the malls, COVID-19 for who, you know? So um, that really is the sort of trajectory that South Africa finds itself. On that note, uh, let me open up the conversation to you. And what I want to ask you today at home is taking into account that the virus is steadily increasing again. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's increased to over 3,000 cases a day now in South Africa, um, just days away from the festive season proper. What are your concerns and how will you be adhering to COVID-19 regulations come the festive season. Let's understand what happens in the festive season. A lot more visiting of friends, a lot more interprovincial travel, a lot more holidays, a lot more um, activity, a lot more uh, socializing, malls are busier, uh, places of recreation are busier, um, a lot more parties, a lot more dining out, a lot more traffic flow of people. We're told that traffic flow of people is how the virus is spread. So this is the festive season. What are you going to be doing now as you enter the festive season? Are you going to continue to celebrate your December as you normally do? Or are you going to be a bit more mindful of the virus, the fact that it's increasing and it's spread? Um, and another interesting example cited there by Dr. Anvin Pillay was that they saw that in the summer months in the Northern Hemisphere, um, that that's when a lot of countries picked up a second wave. Now, that's got nothing to do with the way the, the climate, the virus thrives in a climate. What it has to do is that in summer months, taking into account that it's a bit more of a festive period because of the weather, a lot of people move a lot more. So there's a lot more social activity in summer than there is in winter. And that was a breeding ground for the transfer of the second wave. So taking all of this into account, what are your December plans um, as per COVID-19? I'd love to hear from you. I look forward to to finding out about that. Um, So yes, we can go ahead and have that conversation. I look forward to it. And then at another point in the program, we are going to be talking about um, the issue of vaccines, which is a major, major interesting point 
for us. Well, this is what Dr. Anbin Pillay then told me about vaccines. He says that this state of South Africa has not procured or made any plans to procure a particular vaccine. Um, what you need to understand is that uh, there are about I think three pharmaceutical companies now who um, are putting forward their vac- va- vaccines this week. Pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca announced that late stage trials of its COVID-19 vaccine developed in conjunction with UK's um, Oxford University has proved to be a 70% effect- effective rate in protecting people against COVID-19. Of course, that comes on the backdrop of the Pfizer vaccine, um, the BioNTech one. Um, so definitely a lot of movement with regard to the vaccine. What is South Africa going to do about it? Dr. Anban Pillay says nothing yet. They are waiting to see, um, you know, the absolute concrete and final evidence and efficacy rates of the vaccine also to understand how best to keep and um, you know uh, house the vaccine and I think in a South African context which vaccine um, works best for particular populations. The World Health Organization together with Gavi which is the Global Alliance of Vaccines they have decided that rather than allowing countries to individually approach manufacturers to procure the vaccine which in the past has led to disparities in access so the richer countries would offer to pay more for the vaccine and obviously the manufacturers would divert the stock there and poorer countries would be left with much less stock. So what they've done is negotiated with the manufacturers that they keep the global stock as a single unit and the stock is distributed equitably across the world. Those countries that are unable to uh, procure the vaccine, there will be some donor support and countries that can finance will finance it directly, will pay through this fund which is referred to as COVAX. AstraZeneca saying they're going to make us about 200 million doses of the vaccine by the end of the year. Pfizer's estimating about 50 million doses by the end of the year and 1.3 billion doses by the end of next year. If the rollout is so big, why then is there limited allocation to countries? Those are the estimates in terms of what they will will produce. Uh, Whether they would actually get there, I suppose we will find out. I think it's important to bear in mind there are probably 12 vaccine candidates that are in what we call phase three, meaning that the likelihood of success is high. Even if half of them come through, which is six, then we would have appropriate number to choose from. But if I was to take, say, for example, the Pfizer vaccine, right, it has to be stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius which for South Africa would be very difficult to do because we don't have that quantity of minus 70 degree refrigeration except in our research labs. And if we're going to be vaccinating people, it would be almost impossible to to manage that. Secondly, the vaccine is a two-dose vaccine, which means you must uh, come back a second time to, to, uh, to access the The other vaccines are, well, the good news is that they can be stored at uh, much uh, warmer temperatures, if we can put it like that, still in the fridge, but uh, in, a, in, a, in the usual fridges would be fine for them. So that isn't a problem. Where is South Africa and the Department of Health in terms of their plans to successfully, you know, bring through the vaccine as it becomes available? I know you've been participating in four vaccine trials. The procurement happens independently whether the vaccine was trialed in South Africa or not. Obviously, it's an advantage if it is trialed in South Africa because we understand that vaccine much better than a vaccine that maybe was not trialed in South Africa. So 
At this stage, we uh, are waiting to, to, to hear which one gets through in terms of the regulatory pathway. Remember, once they finish the trial, they then submit the dossiers into the regulators, including the one in South Africa, who must uh, then assess the evidence, the safety, and the efficacy, and then we'll make a decision as to which one we're going to be procuring. Or we may have to procure more than one, depending on uh, w- w- which groups of patients the particular vaccine is effective in. Yeah, that's the concern about procuring the vaccine. South Africa, of course, waiting to see which is most effective and taking into account. I think of a sort of a feasibility study, perhaps, as to what works best for South Africa, taking climate into account, taking rollout into account, uh, number into account, and um, which works best in particular populations to actually watch and see uh, if there is any sort of difference or not um, with regard to the efficacy of these vaccines. Well, while wealthier nations across the globe have already secured large quantities of COVID-19 vaccines, South Africa is facing a challenge as many are hesitant to take such vaccines. This has been revealed at a webinar on vaccine equity hosted by the United Nations. It comes as three pharmaceutical giants announce their vaccines are effective in fighting COVID-19. Prabhash Nimudli has more. This week, pharmaceutical companies AstraZeneca announced that late-stage trials of its COVID-19 vaccine developed in conjunction with the UK. 70% effective at protecting people from COVID-19. The results are the third promising vaccine breakthrough in the fight against the coronavirus. Earlier this month, U.S. drug makers Pfizer and Moderna reported preliminary results from late-stage trials, showing that their vaccine candidates were almost 95% effective. However, with more than 60 million people currently infected with the coronavirus globally, the focus now shifts to access and equitability. Co-chair of the South African Ministerial Advisory Committee on COVID-19, Professor Salim Abdul Karim, says South Africa needs a vaccine with high levels of efficacy. There are 12 vaccine trials in late stages. We've heard about the four results. There are many different types of vaccines. Two out of every three people need to have immunity against the virus for us to have herd immunity. So if we have a 95% efficacious vaccine, like we do with the Pfizer-BioNTech, seven out of every 10 South Africans will have to be vaccinated. If, however, we are choosing to go with a vaccine that's only 80% efficacious, more than eight out of every South Africans will need to be vaccinated. If we choose to go with a vaccine that's only 70% efficacious, we basically have to immunize almost everybody in our entire country. That's very difficult to achieve. Meanwhile, Karim says a bigger challenge for the country remains its citizens' hesitancy to receive the vaccine. A global survey revealed that South Africans are concerned about fake news in relation to the virus and possible side effects. Karim says cost is also a key consideration when choosing a vaccine appropriate for South Africa. Currently, the Moderna vaccine costs $33 per dose, the Pfizer vaccine costs $20 per dose, and the Oxford vaccine costs $4 per dose. We already have some vaccine hesitancy in this country. If we are going to select a vaccine, the first thing we do is we never compromise on safety. We want a vaccine that's efficacious. The higher the efficacy, the better. Then we want to consider issues of cost, ease of storage and administration. And then thirdly is whether it's a single dose or two doses. 
Founding member of the Vaccine Advocacy Resource Group, Tian Johnson, says in South Africa, communities were never consulted on vaccine trials. He says the vaccine should reach those communities that need it the most. Quality power and money has and continue to drive and shape the global response to COVID-19 today. Government has to meet its response on vaccine equity and allocation in the constitution without right building. In several current COVID-19 trials, communities are consulted what all of the other work is done. We have current COVID-19 trials in this country where communities have never seen the protocol, they were never engaged on the protocol. Three major pharmaceutical giants have begun production of their COVID-19 vaccines and countries like the United States, Britain, Canada and India have already pre-ordered millions of doses. Senior Humanitarian Policy and Diplomatic Advisor at Medicines Sans Frontiers, Jens Pedersen, says high demand in limited supply should encourage Africa to manufacture its own vaccine. There's, there's very strong reason to be sceptical, I think, when it comes to whether we will achieve equity. This is essentially a political issue. We need, as Africa, to be stronger in, in making sure that we make demands when it comes to the ability for us to access vaccines. And I would argue demands for Africa to manufacture a vaccine. The goal is, should not be about buying vaccines. As we are faced with a reality which is an incredibly limited supply with a very high demand. We have to go to the source of the problem, which is manufacturing. South Africa is expected to receive the first batch of the COVID-19 vaccine by June 2021. Prabhashni Mudli, SABC News, Johannesburg. Yeah, so that's the talk of vaccines. So today we're focusing on, um, I think, two strong issues on the program. Uh, heading into the festive season with an increased daily cases of COVID-19 in South Africa. Um, how are you going to be spending your festive season? Are you are you concerned or are you, you know, going to celebrate because it's been a tough year? Um, I mean, it's an important question. A lot. It has been a tough year, hasn't it? And a lot of people taking into account that there's a level one um, restriction means that you have a lot more or, you know, open to you, a lot more opportunities available, a lot more uh, freedom of movement. Surely people want to, you know, relax and uh, celebrate. But as the cases increase, how safe is that? That's the question. Uh, interesting voice note then about, um, you know, what you should be doing during this time. Here is a message from uh, Nevisha Mahabir. If you're a concerned parent and you want your family's uh, safety to come first and their health, you'll have a small intimate gathering over the Christmas period. You don't have to go out. Have everyone cook a meal and come and celebrate. Yeah. So there you go. Intimate small gatherings. You don't necessarily have to be out and about. Mr. Ian Governor on a, on a voice note. Good afternoon, Taresh and the team. People are not observing simple rules. Just the other day, I saw groups of people near an off-sales passing a bottle of beer around as well as a chillum. Law enforcement officers are no way to be seen. I'd rather be safe than sorry. I will remain at home this festive season and no visitors will be allowed. Thank you. I mean, good point, I have to say. And, you know, um, I think when you're talking about um, COVID-19 and um, the issue of, of, of how it is playing on the ground, uh, it is a lived experience, right? So allow me to share an experience. And I don't, uh, I, you know, generally, I don't enjoy doing that because the 
point of discussion needs to be facts and, and, and your opinions, right? But I was in a situation yesterday where I was waiting for something at a particular store and two people were having a conversation and I was sitting there for a long time just waiting for my thing as, you know, away from the um, commotion as I possibly could. And these two people ended up literally on top of me. You know, that, that line we often hear in our communities, they were sitting on top of my head. It felt like that. Um, so literally, I picture it, I'm sitting in a chair minding my own business, a person comes and stands over me, and the other person stands over me from the other side, so from left and right, and they are having a conversation directly over me. I almost had a panic attack, to be honest with you. Like, I had to excuse myself and I ended up, like, almost hyperventilating because how can you have this level of disregard for personal space in a time of COVID-19 in South Africa that you would literally have a full-blown conversation with somebody sitting in the center of you. Um, shocking, to say the least. So I think it's those kinds of issues that that many are concerned about. Roy Singh here on WhatsApp. Hi, Daresh and the Newsbreak team. In terms of uh, COVID-19, until such time they find a suitable vaccine, we have to adhere to the rules and regulation. As individuals, I think we must play our part by ensuring that we have a mask, social distancing, wash our hands, keep away from crowded people like weddings, funerals, etc. And guys out there, make sure that you respect the rules and regulation. It's not a playing matter because once an individual loses his or her life through COVID-19, remember that box is sealed. It's wrapped in plastic and you won't be able to see them. So come, let's play our part. Roy Singh, Stanga Kwaduguza. I mean, grizzly point you raised, Mr. Singh, but it is the most real point. That this is the nature of COVID-19. It can take your life and you possibly can't even mourn your loved one because of it. Um, we go to some text messages. Hey, listen, you can call me as well. Let's try that today. 089-310-8789. Let's try some phone calls. It's been a while. Um, yeah, let's see how that goes. You can dial me as well. Um, and we are going to be um, taking some of your text messages now before we take the conversation forward and further. Uh, Kala Shakti says, Yesterday I went out to the mall down south and was surprised that people were not keeping the one meter distance in the busy supermarkets. Um where were the management? This is disturbing. Yeah, that's really, uh, literally, Rachel and I, we're just literally having the conversation off mic. What about, why does management allow this kind of thing? Ramba Mudli says, people must take the necessary precautions. This virus is here for a long time. Until the vaccine is here, the gathering must be at uh, a minimum. LA says, level one has led to people becoming too relaxed Placing those around them at risk, social distancing seems to be a thing of the past. The rising daily inf figures is proof of this. If things carry on like this, December could turn out to be a nightmare. The responsibility lies with us, not the government or law enforcement authorities. People need to realize that the virus is still a threat and we need to adhere to the new normal. Stop moving around. The greatest gift one can give to loved ones, especially the older folk, is not to visit and to put them at risk. It's still in our hands. Shamila Maharaj says, um, the festive season approaches. Health experts have warned reckless action could lead to death. Uh, uh, South Africa 
sees an increase in infection rates and the number is increasing day by day and all our people are taking life too easy until they go through this virus and feel the pain. Yeah. Sushila Singh says Namaste and the best place I will be is at home. Better safe than sorry. You know, I mean, and this is what I want to put forward to you. This is the point. It's tough, isn't it? Because ultimately, I know Ale raises a beautiful point there, the most fundamental one, the new normal, you know. So everything you've ever done for however long you've been alive changes now. It doesn't count anymore because of the new normal. But festive season, isn't it the time to be going out? Isn't it the time to be visiting cool places like night markets and, 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 and parks and light displays and, and going out to eat your favorite food at, at restaurants or, you know, cooking something on the outside fire at home and having the entire family come through in one room and you just laugh, sit and laugh and talk about old memories and stuff. Isn't that what you do in December? Um, but how? How in a time of COVID-19? So I'm trying. So the point me raising that was to ask you on the balance. This is something that you have done for so long, and it's very important. Um, but it's also important to flatten the curve. It's also important to stay alive and to stop the spread of the virus. So how are you juggling that? Because we understand the human aspect of this. So yeah, when we come back, we go to more of your messages. We also try and bring you some experts onto the program to have a conversation. Stay tuned. German excellence will be on display this Saturday. RP Leipzig battles to stay in the top half against DSC Arminia Bielefeld, whose mission is to get out of the bottom half. Catch RP Leipzig, take on DSC Arminia Bielefeld this Saturday, the 28th of November at 4.30pm live on SABC3 and SABC radio stations. Hashtag German excellence meets Mzanti passion. The German Bundesliga proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. the spotlight on one of the biggest music genres in the country the genre that lifts you up when you're feeling down tune into the annual crown gospel music awards as we celebrate some of the best voices in the music industry on sunday the 29th of november at 8 30 p.m catch performances by ayanda ndanzi takalani ndo twane gospel choir kelly kumalo Klingu and klaba vusinova and many more make room for more awards only on SABC2. Newsbreak talk, half past 12. I'm Tarish Hari Pashad. Focus on COVID-19 going into the festive season. Um, now, the there's an interesting conference taking place right now as we speak. And I must say, we're very unfortunate to have uh, been able to dip into that conference and, and, and bring some really important information from there. Uh, so it is... Um, you know, everybody's on that race to find a safe and effective COVID-19 vac- vaccine. Concern is being raised as to whether Africa will receive the vaccine. Now, CEO of the KwaZulu-Natal Doctors Healthcare Coalition, Professor Morgan Chetty, says plans and proposals need to be put in place to ensure that Africa does not lose its chances of receiving the vaccine to the world's superpowers. Um, so Professor Chetty and his colleagues were in discussions last night Um at the opening of the Coalition's Healthcare Institute's 24th Annual Conference and Expo. Professor's taken a break for us, and we really, really appreciate that, Professor Chetty. Uh, welcome to the program, Professor Morgan Chetty. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me on the program. 
And let's let's start off there because I think there's two points, two great points that we're focusing on the program today. One is, you know, this increase of cases. At Friday, we see 3,300 uh, cases of COVID-19. It's steadily increasing going into the festive season. So we want to talk about second wave concerns. But very importantly, last night, there was a discussion about how to procure and secure uh, the vaccine for Africa. What were some of the key points that emerged? I think a number of points uh, are important at this stage. Um, and the first important point was that we have a vaccine. The vaccine is still in its stage three trial. And we need to, in Africa, need to look at what the challenges are. And the challenges for the vaccine to first acquire vaccines in the sub-Saharan Africa is based on a number of different um, sort of um, well, the basic number of different challenges. And the first challenge we have is that can we can we afford the vaccine? And one is how do we secure the vaccine uh, for Africa? So let me start very simply. <clears throat> As a we understand the challenges, and because of these challenges, there has been a body form called COVAX, C-O-V-A-X, COVAX. It was formed in April this year, and it is basically a public-private partnership uh, launched by Gavi, G-A-V-I, in order to acquire the vaccine. And this is how it works. This program claims to pool all the nation's purchasing power and donor funding into one single pool to secure a minimal number of affordable vaccines for participating countries to what is called an advanced market commitment. Now, it sounds like a very reasonable uh, sort of ethical thing to do, but we have problems. We have problems, 82 countries have signed this document, but the, the contracts they've signed are two different ones. One is a contract in which they will stay through the journey, and the other contract is opt-out, meaning they're going to sit and watch and opt-out. Now, what has happened in the meantime? While the vaccine is being manufactured, a number of superpowers with huge checkbooks have pre sort of funded yeah, to purchase yeah. the vaccines. So what we have is USA, the European Union, India, purchasing large amounts of vaccines. So this begs the question, how would vaccines, how much is going to be available for low and middle income countries? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think what the history has shown us from time immemorial um, that Africa falls by the wayside, whether it is a climate change sort of intervention or whether it is an educational reform or technology uh, that needs to uh, be implemented. When it's pulled together on a national, uh, on a global plate like that, Africa generally gets the crumbs, isn't it? So my question then to you, uh, Professor, before we talk about what you're suggesting and some of the proposals you have in place with your colleagues, what, is Afri what are African leaders doing about it? What is the African Union doing about it? Because if you have the um, leaders of Western world stepping in to make um, you know, significant pronouncements as to exactly what they want, what is Africa doing? Well, we, we have a, a body in Africa called CDC um, Africa, Africa CDC. And Africa CDC has got 
three pillars in place, and it's the body that will represent the whole of Africa, and it will represent us in relationship with certain protocols set out by the WHO. So the three pillars that they've put into place is pillar one, is the prevention of transmission. Pillar two is preventing death, and that is to the procurement of medical equipment and supplies and tailored technical assistance. And pillar three is preventing social and economic harm. So this is what they're trying to do. And in the meantime, they've managed to acquire a, a lot of funding into a pool in which they can purchase it. But this is what the challenge is. We have a population in Africa of 1.3 billion. If we want to provide vaccines to the entire African population, it's going to cost us something like 23 to 35 billion. So what they've done is they put a strategy in place that when they acquire the vaccines, they are going to acquire the vaccine and then try, the intention is to cover 20% of the population of Africa. Now, you know, that's a very small uh, amount. The next question that begs an answer is, if you're getting 20% of the vaccines, how do you distribute these vaccines to the communities? Absolutely. So, so each of the countries has to have what I would call a public health policy. And, and I think this is what seems to be very consistent around the world in terms of the public health policy, that the first group of people that will get it will be frontline health workers. Because you need a working health, uh, a healthy working uh, frontline uh, to manage the transmission, manage sick patients, manage the hospitals. Yeah, yeah. In phase two, the policy says that we will be using this for people who are vulnerable, uh, with vulnerabilities, people that have chronic ailments and illnesses. And then as we go on, we will give it to the rest of the population. So as you see, it's going to be very incremental and it, it, it goes into exactly the question that you're going to ask me, is that if this is what the vaccine kind of strategy is, what are we going to do in the meantime to prevent the spread of the vaccine, uh, spread of COVID? Yeah, yeah. That's but one I issue. I, mean, I, I want to raise one more quick issue with you. Sure, Professor. I don't think the vaccine alone is a silver bullet yeah. to controlling this pandemic. And you say it's behavior the then? It is big thing on behavior. And the other important issue is that what was the, the strategy by COVAX and CDC was that the vaccine should be available for low-income countries for as much as $4 for a double-dose uh, vaccine. But middle and high-income countries were paid the full price. Unfortunately, South Africa is seen as middle-income country. So this is a challenge. We've got a diminishing value to our currency. We have a whole other track of corruption and losses and theft. And we're now sitting with the fact that we're going to get vaccines coming into this country at tremendous costs. Yeah, Can we yeah. afford this cost of the vaccine with our present financial status. Absolutely. And adding corruption into that, like you said, Professor, it brings me to a point, uh, and just two quick ones before you leave us and go back to your session. Um, 
you know, while you were talking to me, the only thing that went through my head was this image of this Indian sex worker from Maharashtra that I interviewed, I think it was maybe about five years ago at the um, World AIDS Conference. Um, and she was an HIV positive sex worker and she told me her story and she said, you know, the, the World Health Organization, UN, everybody, um, UN AIDS, constantly talks to us about antiretrovirals and the impact this has to to uh, lower our viral load and how effective this is globally um, to fight HIV AIDS. But when we go to access these much needed ARVs, we can't. They say they don't have money to get it. They say there's a uh, stock out and I miss my regimen and therefore my health system is always, you know, seesawing. And, and that stayed with me as to the sort of um, rollout of vital, um, you know, medication and vaccines like this. So to avoid a situation like that, what are you proposing? You know, I think, you know, we're going to separate two things. We're going to separate vaccines from vaccine programs. Having the vaccine is one issue. But having a program in place is another issue. Absolutely. Now, wh why I want to talk to you about the vaccine program, because the vaccine program is from the time a vaccine is manufactured, where it's transported, it's stored, we have a cold chain where it's kept at a certain temperature, and then it's taken to a facility where somebody has to administer this. So it's a long logistic chain. The question we've got to ask ourselves, are we actually ready to implement the vaccine program in South Africa and are all these bits and pieces in place. So it's, it's a major, major problem in the sense that we, we can't absolutely go up front and say we've got a vaccine when we don't know how to actually get the vaccine. And the big thing is that you've seen in the paper that the Pfizer vaccine, which has got over 90% efficiency, wants to be transported or stored at minus 80 now, minus 80 degrees is something we've never been accustomed to in this country. Yeah. So the chances of using the Pfizer in South Africa is very close to zero. Yeah. So I think the challenge is that we have the vaccine, but what do we do in the interim while the vaccine is being manufactured? I think yeah. Yeah. one of the things we have to do in Africa is to make sure that to decrease costs, we need to start manufacturing the vaccine in this country. Yeah, I think that, that, would, that would definitely be the thing. Uh, Professor, as you leave us now to, to go back, um, the second aspect of our conversation here today is with the increase of daily cases, uh, warnings of a second wave, the festive season literally here for South Africans. You know, what is your advice? You know, I think this is a very important question. It's more important than the vaccine right now. We're having a second wave. And in reality, we shouldn't be having a second wave because we're entering summer. We've passed the flu season. So why are we having the second wave? We're having the second wave simply because we have a non-adherence to behavioral change. And I think we have public health protocols in place. So the point I want to make to people here, it is not for today or for tomorrow. I would think this will be a protocol that must stay in place till the end of 2021. We li we're seeing people letting the guard down. And wherever there's been an, a high number, it's because of social gatherings, non-adherence to protocols, not wearing a mask, uh, 
poor social distancing, not washing hands, and we should avoid going into public spaces if we don't have to go into public spaces. So I think the second wave we're seeing is basically due to the fact that we as human beings are perpetrating this particular uh, incidence. I think we have, a, we have a duty to maintain the adherence to protocols. If we simply do that, that in the meantime will mitigate the challenge of this wave. And what worries me, and the message I want to leave to South Africans, is that we're going to be preparing for the winter of 2021. If we're going to get multiple small waves now, I shudder to think that if the vaccine is not available in 2021, that we're in for a huge catastrophe. So the message is, please do not let your guard down. Avoid reckless behavior. Try and stay away where you have to stay away and if you have to go into a public space you are morally obliged to do this i've just seen in parts of the world where people are being now charged 250 dollars if they're found in a public space without a mask so this is my view is the management of this transmission right now is in the hands of us human beings we need to be responsible we need to be less reckless and we need to understand that if we protect ourselves, we protect our families, we protect our communities, and we, con we protect this nation. I mean, wonderfully said, Professor. Thank you so much for leaving us with that end point. Most crucial. We'll let you get back to the conference. And that was the CEO of Kazuda Natal Doctors Healthcare Coalition, Professor Morgan Shetty, joining us live. Thank you, Professor. Thank you for having me on. Thanks. Okay, when we come back, we go to WhatsApp. Let that digest because it was a, a lot of very valuable information. This week on It's a Feminist Thing, Khomoto Matsunyani, alongside her fearless co-hosts, confront patriarchy head-on. The conversation explores the different ways this oppressive system manifests in society and how it harms not just women, but men as well. Don't miss It's a Feminist Thing. Fearless, forward feminist. Sundays at 6.30 on SABC2. Brought to you by Soul City Institute and SABC Education. What part of no don't you understand? The N or the O? The killing of women by men motivated by hate, contempt, pleasure or the assumption of ownership is called femicide. Stop violence against women now. Enough is enough. SABC Education. Enriching minds, enriching lives. Okay, I'm going to go to WhatsApp now. Some really valuable information coming through on the program today. I'm not going to recap on it because I want to try and canvas your view. So let's go to it. We've got Mr. Louis Palesa. Great to hear from you. Good afternoon, Newsbreak and Taresh and also uh, Rachel. Uh, I want to say at first, I think we must thank our president for taking action immediately when he did the lockdown five. I think from there downwards, we could study what was happening in South Africa. Regarding the vaccine, I think we know we have to look at the worst countries first and then look at South Africa. But when it comes to South Africa, I don't think so it'll be distributed evenly. Thank you, Louis Pelé Durban. Thanks, Mr. Pillay, for that. Here's a voice note, a very quick one. 
Hi, this is Sharon. Uh, with regards to COVID-19, I think pe- most people think now it's, it's, it's over. Because they reach level one, everything is honky-dory. So they can walk around without masks and have gatherings together. But then let's realize that they this is spreading like wildfire. It's actually getting worse. And I think people should really adhere to the rules and regulations. Wear your masks, keep your distances, and be safe. Please wash your hands. And especially when you're in supermarkets and when you're out there in the open, make sure your masks are on, not below your nose. Make sure you cover your nose because I've seen in supermarkets, even the staff have, it's below their nose. It's not, their nose is not covered. So what's the use of a mask? And then some of them have the mask under the chin. How, how does that help? How does it prevent? How does it protect you? Come people, come. Let's follow the rules and regulations. Unless you want to head down again back to level five, then it's going to be worse. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. Bye. Sharon, the frustration in your voice is palpable. I mean, that's literally the situation on the ground. And thank you so much for raising it the way you did. Uh, Rani in Stanger Manor, um, due to the high number of COVID-19 cases in our country, it would be great for all concerned if South Africa made their own vaccine instead of waiting for other countries to take pity on us. You know what? That's a really powerful point, to be honest. Um, South Africa has a um, really respected research team. Um, and, and South Africa's research, specifically in the, in the work of HIV AIDS, has been globally lauded. And I think, you know, putting through the resources, and I know South Africa has been very instrumental in helping a lot of nations with uh, trials and, and tests, but um, definitely I think South Africa really has that uh, science and technology capability to, to, to really uh, lead the fight. So that's a valuable point there by Rani. Yashika says, I just got home from work and was traveling in a taxi from Mplanga to... Uh, Phoenix. There's total disregard for the virus. People aren't using masks, not even the driver. I was seated between two guys who were not using masks. Oh, I had to stop there. And were talking to each other over me. Oh my gosh, I went through that. I know what you're talking about. Um, who do we complain to? The police aren't even stopping or finding these people. It's also funny that people distance themselves from us when they uh, see the uniform as I'm in the medical field, but they themselves would not practice the uh, simple precautionary measures to prevent the spread. Rachel says, and Rachel from Chatsworth, not Rachel in studio. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you, Tarish. People honestly have a don't care attitude. I've seen colleagues post pics on Facebook this week. Even though we're working from home, they are out partying without masks. Um, I drove past our local supermarket this entire week. It's been ridiculously busy. Shop owners as well need to think of our safety and not just profits. Ruksana from Chatswood says, I see people daily walking freely. No mask. It's like life is normal. Segri Padiachi says, the best place to be is at home. My neighbors and family uh, help with what I need. It's difficult, but it's safe. And Trisha says, um... I wanted to say something about the coronavirus is that people are not worried about the virus anymore. Just yesterday, I've been past my local post office and saw no one wearing a mask and standing so close. So you tell me, what should we do? Because some people just don't care. Hey, and Trisha's first time here. Trisha, welcome to the program. I hope it's not your last. 
Rohini Sandhi says, Namaste. Most people have a don't care attitude when it comes to the virus. Um, have a blessed afternoon, you as well. And here's a voice not hello there. Hello to the team. This is Mark from Johannesburg. I think the president should actually um, bring in the lockdown back uh, because I think when it comes to the festive season, there's going to be a lot of gatherings and I think it's the COVID-19 is just going to escalate. So um, I think from the second week in December to maybe end of Jan, uh, we should go on uh, lockdown, maybe level five or four, or just on the gatherings as well, just a specific uh, um you know, like uh, gatherings and other stuff like that. So I think, yeah, it's 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 necessary because it's it's rising and it's just going to get worse during the period uh, of Christmas and uh, New Year's. So I think the lockdown restriction should come in place. Thanks. Cheers and have a great day. Thank you so much. Um, Mana says people have become complicit about adhering to uh, the protocol. I think complacent um, when that's the only way to keep safe we would be spending the festive season at home and no visitors are allowed we are trying to adjust to the new normal and that's from Mala so yeah those are our messages that have come through please um, keep it Ramba says thanks to the doctor for the advice yeah I think that was really really great advice Ramba so please uh, send through your messages we've got about uh, five minutes left on the program Send through some voice notes and let's talk about, you know, your plans going forward now, taking everything we've discussed into account. Um, has it alerted you to the sort of um, reality of the December, the festive season you're likely to experience with regard to the virus? I'd love to know. Please send me a voice note. Family means being there for the ones you love. Giving them your time, your love, and of course, food. At Spa, we make that easier. We have all the services you need to pay bills or send and receive money. But more than that, we have all your essentials and products you really love at great prices every day. So you don't have to spend time running from one place to the next. You can get it all done for less at Spa. Spa, we're here for you so you can be there for your family. DUT is one of the top five universities in South Africa, number 10 in the world for research citations and ranked in the top 500 universities on the planet. It's no wonder that DUT offers you a world-class, internationally recognized education. Applications for 2021 are now open, so apply via the Central Applications Office on cao.ac.za. Remember, applications close end November and closing dates may vary, so please apply today. Visit dut.ac.za. DUT. Envision 2030, improving lives and livelihoods. News break talk, we're about to wrap it up, but Eastern Cape has also been quite severe. Uh, and Minister of Health, Dr. William Kize, concluded his two-day visit to the Nelson Mandela Metro without announcing stricter measures to curb the spread uh, of COVID-19. Dr. Mkize says he will submit recommendations to Cabinet next week before a decision is made. Nelson Mandela Bay is a virus hotspot, according, uh, well, accounting for half of the new infections in the country. Mkabesi Kina reports. This was the Health Minister's second trip to Nelson Mandela Bay within a month. The matter remains a focus point as COVID-19 infections continue to rise sharply. Mkiz focus on three aspects, the availability of beds, initiation and behavioral change from the community. He met with a number of stakeholders and visited several hotspots, including taverns and malls. He says there are plenty of beds available for the metro, but the problem is the observation ward, where people came while waiting for their results. We have uh, over 940 beds. 
And these beds are only occupied by just about 211 people. And so we've got about 730 extra beds, which are not used, which are not occupied. The same applies to the other hospitals. Uh, the PE Provincial Hospital, uh, the Superintendent General <coughs> says that she thinks it's hardly 30% utilized. So there is space. The continued suspension of traditional initiations is a bone of contention between traditional leaders and the government. Traditional leaders are pushing for the initiation season to commence. Nkiza says a decision will be made next week. We have a decision yet and the submission, the formal submission is going to come next week. All I can say is that we have highlighted a number of issues that need to be addressed in the recommendations that are coming from the combined traditional leaders and provincial government and uh, community organizations submitted to the uh, national government. Minister Mkiza says they will continue with rapid testing as part of the campaign to prevent the spread of the virus. And the public has been reminded to practice the following measures. Wear a mask, wash your hands and keep your distance. Mkiza says the aim is to prevent a countrywide resurgence as the latest figures from the Western Cape shows the same trend as the Eastern Cape. Nkobisinganam in Port Elizabeth. Yeah, so severe situation all around. Voice note now. I think Sharon's back to leave us with the point. Hi, this is Sharon again. Sorry, I forgot to mention that yes, with the festival coming up and the alcohol, that's going to escalate the virus. And not only the virus, that's going to escalate problems and fights and you know, know what. So I think the government should just put a lockdown on alcohol for the festive season. Thank you. Yeah, alcohol, hey? <laughs> it's definitely something that flows quite freely um, during the festive season and the impl impl implications thereof. Uh, Gita and Georgie says, I think the police should issue people with a spot fine for not using a mask. And Bully Mudli from Queensborough says, great awareness topic. Uh, with the second wave hitting many countries, South Africa needs to look toward Spain and South Korea on the handling of the second wave of the pandemic. As the world awaits a vaccine, people have become complacent and lost their consciousness on this pandemic. Um, yeah, that's our messages. We'll have to leave it there now. And I think just an interesting point to, to leave you with, I think South Africa... Um, was well ahead of of, of situations um, going into it. I mean, they went uh, immediately as uh, cases were picking up. South Africa went into such a strict lockdown. So um, it's interesting to note how South Africa is going to be approaching the second wave, if at all. It's something we'll be monitoring and keeping tabs on and bringing you uh, the latest as it does become available to us. So we'll wrap up the program there. Um, that's how we say goodbye to you today. The broadcast, it came your way courtesy of the team. That's executive producer Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. And um, we shall be talking to you again tomorrow. We're going to wrap up our 1860 Focus. Um, so you can listen out for that. From me, Tadeyash, hey, have an awesome day. A treasure chest of journeys. From a temple in India. My great-grandfather brought the Moti and came in his veil. Seeds of time sowed to create new memories. Sam brought beans, Binda and so on. Because these other things were not available in South Africa. A legacy that stands the test of time. 
Join us on Newsbreak Talk this November as we trace the legacy of the 1860 indentured labourers to your roots. Newsbreak Talk every weekend at 12 noon with me, Taresh Hari Prashad. Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.